Hello and welcome to Racing Debate. A very happy new year to you. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Vanessa Ryle here in the studio. What are we talking about on this New Year's Day debate? Christmas racing? Yes. We'll be doing that. Highlights of the Christmas New Year racing period. We want your votes on that. Also want your votes on who has been the sort of breakthrough act of 2022. Who's really impressed you in 2022? There's some good candidates and we'll also be looking forward to 2023 because that's what it's all about, the future. Hence why I'm here. Yes, the future is bright. The future is... <laughs> well, it's kind of my favourite quality street colour. Uh, lots to get stuck into. <laughs> Racing debate. Yes, welcome along and Happy New Year. Welcome to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Vanessa Ra with me here in the studio. So, sorry about the Quality Street reference. Too much Quality Street. An excess of everything, probably. I've had an excess of everything. I'm just back from Ireland and it's been completely over the top. I need to rein it in, rein everything in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a bit of indulgence is all right. We're going to um, ask you what's, uh, what's tickled your fancy during the Christmas and New Year period. Who's been the sort of your, your favourite uh, chocolate uh, treat over... Yeah, who's been, <laughs> there are other, other brands are available, we should point out. I, I, I asked you on Twitter, who's been the plum in your pudding uh, over the Christmas period? Who was your star racing performance? That's what we want to know uh, over the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so. We'll be focusing in on that. Later on, we're going to talk about highlights of 2022 and look forward to 2023 as well but uh, your thoughts are welcome you can drop us a, an email racing at skysports.com as i say who, who was your star maybe it was the king george winner maybe it was Conor. we disagree do we do well we? i think on a few of them oh we, i think yeah. we'll, we might have some different options there can only be one star on top of our christmas tree. we'll see we'll see we'll i think there can we'll only be there. one let's just yeah yeah there can only be one i'll show you mine first of all let's have a look at my <laughs> Uh, three, first of all. I've got a short list of three of, of my highlights of the Christmas racing period. The first one is a little bit of an unusual one. It was Zambella, and I'll tell you why I like Zambella. Yeah, when I saw this on the list, I did think, OK, controversial, so make your case. Well, please. it's a listed chase winner, isn't it? The Mayor's Chase winner at Doncaster. Um, she was an absolute tonic for me personally. I'd struggled a bit the day before. We watched a lot of racing. Uh, I found the loss of three-stripe life tough, and we lost um, unexpected depth in the same race. Yeah. It's one of those... You know when you sometimes take a knock like that, you just think, oh, that's... Took the wind out of your sails. It did. A bit. It yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. And I needed something to to pick me up. And Zambella really, Zambella remi reminded me of why I love jump racing. Just harmony of horse and rider, pinging fences, looking for the next fence I after mean, everyone. The thing is about her is she's a she's a proper cracker. Yeah. She's a she's a cracker of a horse. She's never gonna change the world. She's never gonna be a horse that we talk about in twenty years time. No. But she's a belter. It was the performance. It, it was yeah. everything that you want to see in, in, in jump racing. That was a, a, a lovely tonic after a, a, I, I found a tougher day the day before. Second one, this, this isn't controversial. My second highlight of the Christmas period, Brave Man's Game, the King George winner. In he goes, absolutely. And we're going to talk about this, I hope, about... I don't think he's got as much love as he should. He didn't, wasn't even favourite for the race by the, by the time they jumped off. He was like five to four in the, Which, the days before. Very surprising given the months building up to the race. Absolutely. And the market. Absolutely. I thought he was stellar. I was, he's only been beaten once over fences. I think he's the real deal. Brave. I'm going to make the case for Brave Man's Game. Yeah. Not that he needs a case made. You know, having yeah, I mean, we, we're going to welcome in a guest shortly who hopefully be able to give us his, you know, experienced opinion, shall yeah. we say. Yeah, yeah. On Def whether he's my a, because I mean the pin in the balloon is the people who say he's a flat track bully. Yeah, that's the thing. Controversial, we'll I know. We'll see. We'll see. Now this is the this is the star on top of the Christmas tree, and I don't see how anyone else could put anything else up here. Some people might 
come up with something. It's got to be Constitution Hill. That's this is what we can all agree on, surely. He has the real, the, the star factor, excuse the pun. He's just got everything. And he's this horse that, not all horses that go unbeaten or have the same profile as him at this stage in their career capture the imagination quite like he has. Mm. And I don't know what that sort of je ne sais quoi thing is with him, but there is something about Constitution Hill that people have latched onto that has taken him to another level, I think, in Just terms of appreciation, anticipation, what we want from him when we see him on a race course. I love him myself, courtesy of being able to follow his progress with the off-the-fence team that have included Barry Geraghty over the last year or so. And that leads us neatly in, Oh, we? Barry Geraghty, <laughs> who knows more about this horse than nearly all of us, of course, who was involved from the very, very beginning of the Constitution Hill, joins us now. Uh, Barry Geraghty live on our Racing Debate News Day. Happy New Year's Day to you, Barry. How are we doing? Very good, Sean. Happy New Year to you and Vanessa. Thank you very much for joining us. Sore head or take it easy last night? No, I took it easy. Took it easy, ranging in at home here with the kids. Look at him, he looks fresh as a daisy. What do you He always looks fresh, though. He always has, doesn't he? It's sickening. Yeah, he was working hard over the Christmas period in Ireland, you see. He had plenty on, so he's a professional, as Good always. Good man. Um, let's start with Constitution Hill, Barry. What did you make of the Christmas hurdle performance at Kempton? What did you make of it? Was it everything you hoped for? Did you see anything that concerned you? What was your verdict? Um, I suppose it was hard to expect him to excite you any more than he did at um, Newcastle. But then he did, and he went one by 17 lengths. Like, he absolutely destroyed the field, and he cantered up. The couple of little things I take from it is, you know, he's only had five runs over hurdles, and they've been uncompetitive, if you like. And even the, the fight in fifth, he schooled on his own all the way. Um, so a few little things was he got a little bit of, I won't say hassle, but, um, you know, he had company through the race, if yep. you like. He had to organise himself at the third hurdle. You know, he learned a bit there. He was a little bit untidy at the second last as well. You know, those are, those are all things that he's learning. He is only a novice, if you like, with, with, with such little experience. Um, and as I said, because he hasn't had to deal with competitive racing because it's been a, a saunter for him. Um, I think he learned a little bit there, but like you're, you're just looking at fine margins and where he can improve. And I think he, he learned he'll improve. Um, but the performance itself was devastating. Is it? Something you said there, about is that in, in any way a weakness that he's not being tested, that he's not getting enough hassle, that he's not being put under enough pressure? Would he learn more from being put under more pressure? Not that anyone seems able to do that to him. But. Well, it's, it's a bit of a luxury, um, so I don't think so. But it, it was nice just to see that, you know, that he, he, there was a little bit there to improve on um, in school again. Not that jumping is an issue, but... He's, he's been untested, so it's hard for him. But to put in the performance he put in in the Supreme, to jump how he did, to clock the time he did the day of the champion hurdle, to beat the champion hurdle track record on your on your third start, like that's, you know, blows the roof off it. Talk to me about his jumping, Barry, because there's times where he is so fast from one side of a hurdle to another. But the quicker he gets, and you've touched upon there the fact that he is in many ways still a novice, still a work in progress in some regards, despite how much ability he's got. Is there any concern that his jumping... I don't want to say the words too quick could get too quick, but too he's brave. so brave. Yeah, too brave, maybe. You know, he's so quick and brave. And then you get down to those fine margins where you get towards being closer to something going wrong. 
that's always the thing with, with a champion herd that you want them to be quick and slick now, but he, he is very measured through a race he generally he gives good height he makes a good shape he's very accurate through a race but then over the last couple he tends to get low get racing be quick and slick but that's what you want and you saw there at Newcastle at the last for me he was just Dawson he was down being, being playful he just half came out of Nico's hands flashed at the last you know his 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 time with the opposition um but those are all things. He is he's a baby and his character and his personality is playful. You know, so he is he is he's playing with the opposition and he's playing with his hurdles too. Okay, so what about State Man then? We obviously saw him win the grade one at Leperstown over the two miles, uh, in pretty emphatic fashion. Not everyone was blown away by him. As chief Constitution Hill supporter in your role, Barry, did you lose any sleep over that performance? No, but it was a good performance. Uh, the inside track at Leprechaun is a good bit tighter. So if you were to compare England and, and different tracks, you could say the inside track in, in, in Leprechaun is more like Kempton. You know, it's quick and it's sharp. Obviously, you're going the opposite way. But the further out you go, it's more like Newbury. It's a bigger test. So I don't think he probably got the test to show his true strengths, if you like. Um, so he was a good performance. It was solid. But for me, Vauban in second, who's a horse, I would have thought he was only ran in hope. And... Um, his work at home hasn't excited yet. They were hoping for a good show. His jumping wasn't tidy, and he's a lot to brush up on there. He has jumped well in the past, last season. So, for me, if you're looking for something, another wrangle in the champion hurdle, for me, it'll be Vauban. Oh, controversial. But every, every, it, it seems, Barry, that at the moment, he's one of those horses, Constitution Hill, who's just in a different parish. What you said about his, his playfulness reminded me of... Um, Usain Bolt, the, the sprinter, you'd see joking around with the, the, the kit girl or the kit boy before yeah. his 100 metres final. Like, he hasn't a care in the world because he's just, he knows he's so much better. That, that's how he is and that's how he's always been. As a youngster, he was the same. You, you saw the video of the, our kids riding them and he's just he, a joy to be around, but he's playful, he's fun, that's his attitude. Um, and I suppose that the, the big stage doesn't phase him for that reason. Um, he enjoys it and relishes it, so it, it's what you want, really. But um, touch wood, his jumping has been good, but he, he is learning and um, he will get better. You found him, Barry. You, you, you saw something in him way, way, way <laughs> back as a, as a young horse. Hand on heart, though, did you have any idea? or Was there any clue of what this horse would turn out to be? Yeah, myself and Warren Ewing bought him as a foal um, in Tattersalls here in Ferryhouse. Um, he was a gorgeous foal, good individual, big, strong, lots of scope, good walker. Um, had a nice pedigree with an exciting pedigree. But at every stage of a foal's progression through the two-year-old year, the three-year-old year, you're hoping for them to go the right way. And he has been that way all the way through. You know, you loved him as a two-year-old, loved him as a three-year-old. When we broke him and got him riding, he'd love everything he did. Schooling was really good. And then when he started <clears throat> when he started to work, you know, there was speed there and there was speeds. And every day he worked, he got better and got better. And he just, yeah, he improved and improved and just a really classy, classy kind of workhorse. Um, so now he was just exciting on every stage. You're smiling forward. now, even talking about <laughs> those early workouts. So it sounds like the answer was yes, he was special, special even then. Yeah, he was. And I only recall it last week. I was, I was just thinking, when did I write him in his first bit of work? It was actually in Jim Draper's Grass Gallop, where Arkell and Flying Bolt and, and all those great horses over the years would work. That's the first day I wrote him um, in a piece of work. And like that, sauntered around, give him a squeeze, up, he picks up a gear, give him another squeeze, he goes again. And before I knew it, I'm running out of room. So he's, he's, <laughs> his work was always just of a different level. 
Um, and when Nicky got him and Nicky was worrying, what have you sold me? Um, I just said to Nicky, when you get in the gallop, give this kind of squeeze. You know what I'm talking about. I think the other thing as well with him is, I mean, there was a slight issue with him round the sales, wasn't the Barry? Just touch upon that again in terms of the issue he had leading up to the sales. Yes, he made a mistake on his pint of pint. He was going to win his pint of pint and he made a mistake at the last. And he must have just pulled something in his back. But on the week leading up to the sale, he had a lot of muscle wastage across his back and behind the saddle. So he didn't look as well as you would have liked. Hence, he didn't make as probably as much as he should have or could have. And a lot of people would have been happier to step by him and, and, and not have a go. And fair play to Gordon Elliott was under bitter. And Michael Buckley then, likewise, Michael, uh, he had had the reports from me through the year. He, he had a good idea what we had in our hands. So Michael was advised that maybe not to buy this fella. And uh, he overruled it and said, no, we're going for him. So um, Michael is reaping the rewards now. But, I mean, other than that slight issue then, he strikes me as the type of horse who you've touched upon how special he is, the ability he has, we know. But there's, there's plenty of horses that have a huge engine, but setbacks, issues, development issues along the way, things go wrong that mean that they don't necessarily reach their full potential. Whereas with Constitution Hill, going back to the point that you made, that line about him not having a care in the world at the moment, feels like every step he's taken along the way has gone well he's eaten up he's galloped well he's come out of it well he's not had any major issues yet to deal with physically mentally or otherwise and so you build on that with horses and then they get to that confident place and it feels like he's on that road yeah well he, he is very straightforward and um, so mentally and, and nikki has spoken about this a lot you know you couldn't ask for for a better mindset you know he's very relaxed very calm and everything he does at home away from home um but physically, he's in good shape. You know, as a young horse, he, he hasn't had any issues except that slight back issue, which is resolved now at this stage. But, you know, it's, it's the care that he gets by not running an Ascot that day when the ground was potentially on the quick side. Um, that's that's what's going to give him the longevity, you hope. You know, so he's in the right hands. Um, and that's so important. And, and people take it for granted. We want these horses to run every day they can run. But you have to put them first. And there's days when the ground is just a little bit quick for them, um, like it was in Ascot, and you have to make the right choices. And Nicky did that, and you know, hopefully we'll reap the rewards for years to come. That's a fair point, actually. You can't make a, a great career with one run, but you can end it, can't you, with, 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 with one misplaced run and, and, and pulling the trigger when you, when you shouldn't. Uh, about the unbeaten thing, because it was mentioned in passing there, Barry, I, I, I slightly worry about the unbeaten thing, but that it can become a bit of an albatross for horses. I, I don't think it matters. Uh, when we look back on the greats of previous generations and previous decades, I don't think we, we care whether they got beaten a few times along, along the way. Where, where, where do you stand on that? No, I agree completely. Um, and Honeysuckle obviously getting beaten in the Hatton's Grace was disappointing she got beaten, but it, it's not a career ending. Um, you know, she, Isterbrack, Moscow Fair, they all got beaten, all the great horses. So it, it's not... You know, it, it's it's lovely if you can keep winning, but I don't think it's an issue. And and if it happens, Constitution Hill, so be it. Hopefully, it won't happen with the champion hurdle. Um, but no, it, it's it's a nice thing if it happens, but it's it doesn't define a horse.
And we shouldn't be scared of it. That's the point, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, he shouldn't. Yeah. yeah, we shouldn't be scared of him being beaten. No, I hope not. Uh, just finally, Barry, we saw we saw great turnouts in in, in some, some races over the last few days. In particular, Chalo had a big field. Everyone was noticing that. Perhaps not unrelated to the fact that we've had some abandonments mm -hmm. in the build-up. Where, where do you stand looking forward? But there's talk of we need fewer um, races. We need to pare back the fixture list. Would would, would you agree with that? Would, would you want to see more of that direction of travel for next year? I think that that seems to be an issue in England. Obviously, it's not in Ireland, and you have big fields and, and very competitive races for that reason. Um, but you have a lot of racing in England. It probably dilutes it. You have smaller fields. So it only makes sense. And I think, you know, this this drum has been beaten for a while now. Um, and I think, you know, there, there's, there is talk about action being taken, but it, it needs to happen because it's for the better of the of the sport, I think. So it would be it would be a good thing. Yeah. Talk, talking of the good of the sport, one final question for you, Barry, as a, as a, as a rider yourself. The, we've had yet another whip consultation over here in, in, in GB, as you know, and, and not a lot actually has changed, but there is this issue of the forehand, backhand, and, and a lot of jockeys are saying, actually, this is a big deal. It's, it's, it's much more difficult to use it in the right place in the backhand and stuff like that. Maybe more for the flat riders than the jump riders, but can you see the issue there, or should, should jockeys just get on with it, or, should, or do the BHA need to make some concessions there on that forehand, backhand issue? Oh, definitely. No, there needs to be concessions on that. You know, the practicality, the practicality of it, you know, it just doesn't add up. Uh, we discussed it in off defence. Even the simplicity of when you're switching your whip hand from one hand to the other, um, when it's in the backhand position, it's not as easy to get it across to the other side as when it's in the forehand position. You can just switch it straight across. So if you have a horse who has ducked and needs to be corrected, you can act so much quicker when you have your whip in your forehand position. Um, you also then you take into account how some lads who have had shoulder injuries can't strike in the right area on the hindquarters and they're, hit, they're coming short on the ribs and then getting days. So, no, it, it's, it definitely needs to be addressed and needs another look at. And, um, no, I think there's, there's work to be done on that one. OK. It sounds like there is some further discussion taking place. So let's end on that bright note that maybe there'll be some movement <laughs> on that. Many thanks, Barry, for your time. Really appreciate that. Happy New Year. See you tomorrow off the fence, Barry. See you then. Off the fence, which we can catch where? Facebook? Facebook, YouTube, all the other races, digital channels on online. a Tuesday. With yourself and Barry and? Tony Keenan. It's a good combo, that. It's a great combo. It is a good combo. Lots to reflect on. Uh, so do catch the next edition of that. A few of your emails and tweets coming in. Uh, a vote for uh, Amigos Welsh, uh, uh, two Amigos Welsh National win from Nigel is a bit Christmas. Oh. Uh, performance. Uh, good to see a big race not being won by one of the big yards. Uh, it was a good story, that wasn't it, uh, for uh, that team. Hermes Allen, a vote for that one from Dave. Uh, quickly, we'll get more of those uh, thoughts. Who were your Christmas and New Year highlights? And we'll look back on 2022 as well. Who were the stars of 22 after the break? Welcome back to our New Year's Day racing debate. Myself and Vanessa Ryle with you here in the studio. Uh, your emails and tweets are welcome. Racing at skysports.com is the email. And we are at, at the races or at Sky Sports Racing on Twitter as well. A few different votes. We had a two amigos vote, didn't we, for a, a yep. Christmas performance in the Welsh National. It was a great Which story. Deserved deserve vote, for yep. him, to be fair. Um, uh, G Reynolds has tweeted me, taking well, tweeted us actually, so taking us both to task. Uh, Highlights of 2022 not yet mentioned, says G Reynolds. Holly Doyle becoming the first female jockey to win a classic and becoming the first female jockey to be second in the Jockeys' Championships. Well, just take a pull there. Well, well, we're, we're just about to get started. into 2022, and maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe that name will come up. Um, uh, Neil. 
in inverted commas, Mellon, Neil, he, he often calls himself. He's going with Lossy Mouth for the triumph hurdle. Maybe I should become Lossy Mouth, Neil, now, now that uh, Mellon has retired. So that's one for him to take into uh, next year as well. That's what it's all about this time. It's not next year, it's this year now. Isn't this it? year? This year. Can you believe it? This year, uh, 2023. Your uh, thoughts about what you're looking forward to are welcome as well, horses that you're looking forward to, etc., etc. But right now, we turn our attention to your stars of 2022. I've, I've, I've asked for breakthrough stars and breakout stars. But I'm, I'm, I think... Yeah, both I of might our, stretch it a bit. Yeah, both of our lists definitely stretch that, but... You've got a short list of three? Yep. I've got a short list of three. Um, I'm going to start with a horse, actually. And a horse... This goes back to racing debate. Back in the summer, we had Aidan O'Brien join us for racing debate, and I was... On my list to ask him about was Auguste Rodin, who just won a maiden at Nace. And we didn't get to it because we ran out of time, which is a great shame, because, of course, we now know what he's gone on to do, Auguste Rodin. And I wanted to ask him about it because I was... If you watch that Nace... Maiden when he did a thing which he went on to do at Doncaster, which is kind of hit top gear and then go again. It's almost yeah. I, I've, I've struggled to describe. I think it's a bit like those hydrofoil boats that come up out of the water. Like his whole body lifts and his, his action changes and he goes again. Um, I'm very excited about him. I can tell. For next year. I can very, tell. Very, very excited. I, I loved him in that Maiden. It, some people said that was workmanlike. Some people said the Burton Futurity was workmanlike. I disagree. I think he's, he's got something very special. I've called my second category Marcoyle, uh, which, <laughs> which is my uh, combination of Tom Marcond and Holly Dor. You're quite right, G Reynolds. Um, yet another breakthrough year in a series of breakthroughs. Years but of course, people will be sat at home wanting you to explain how two people can make the list as breakout stars in 2022 who have been around for literally years. So they are explain. now they are now married. Correct. Which I think is more significant than we've yet realised. Okay. Um, I was watching our coverage of Champions Day at Ascot and I saw Tom and Holly signing autographs with young kids and the people around interacting with them. And I thought this is a huge opportunity for racing. And I think, I think we realise that, and I think we're beginning to see it, but I don't think we've even touched the surface of the potential of that brand, of this husband and wife team. It's, it's unique. I can't think of anything like it in any sport. I, and I, their combined earning power, it, which, I, which I did, it's, it's a rather vulgar thing to check out, but I did check it out, compares now with William Buick, with Ryan Moore, with the very biggest jockeys riding for the very biggest teams, if you team them together, and HMRC will team them together, Sam. Yes, that is very true. No, I can see your case, for sure. And I think you're right. I think we're yet to fully latch on to what they, as a couple, could be. Because, as you say... Is it fair to put that pressure I don't, on? I don't know what the comparison... I genuinely don't know what the comparison is to either the past or the sports in terms of two people, a married couple, at the top of their game, the very best, but together as a unit. I'd make a good Netflix series. Fly on the wall. Netflix. If only we knew yeah. a good film producer who Well, makes I, I can't of think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, we may come back to that topic during the course of the rest of the show. Uh, number one, number one for me. I don't think there can be any debate about this. I think most, if, if we put this op open to a public vote, this man would be top. George Bowie, breakout star of 2022. Again, already established, already one yep. of the up-and-coming stars. Been going for a few years, but not that many years, but a real breakthrough in 2022. I, so rare that you see somebody build on winners at the rate year-on-year year that he has in a very short amount of time. I think there's many different elements as to why that is and to how his career has gone, but luckily... We'll get to ask him. We will. I wonder, <laughs> are his ears burning? Are you blushing, George? Um, I tell you what, it's been a hell of a 2022. Has it? Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year, guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's, look, it's far exceeded what we sort of dreamt we might do. And um, 
no, look, it's it started good, and and luckily they, we had enough enough horses to to keep it going all the way through the year. Yeah, it started good. I, I'm, I'm sure I read somewhere at some point, probably towards the end of the summer, George, you you confessing as you passed the hundred mark that that secretly uh, that that was a bit of a target, a hundred winners for 22, but you smashed it. Yeah, I think it definitely was. I think you know, obviously, we want to have better horses, and but the numbers, I think you need to have the numbers to find the better horses. You know, I don't think in this day and age to train a lot of winners, you know, you need the horses and um, no, 100 was the target. But looking at it on January the 1st last year, I, it did look a tall order. So, um, no, look, a huge, huge team effort and everyone's worked very hard to get there. Let's just have a look at the numbers. We'll throw them up, uh, Vanessa, on the screen. This is your point about how quick these jumps yeah. have been. 20, I don't think we put 2019 on there. No, we did. 2019, two winners in 2019. Uh, 2020, mm. 26 winners, but a 20% strike rate. And maintaining this high strike rate, then it's just this big step change. Love. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting from my point of view, George. Was it last, I think it was last season that we came down, the Sky Sports team came down to film a feature with you. And I was there with Jason Weaver. I'm sure that was last year. Um, and at the time, it's kind of, you know, you've really got rocking and rolling in your career. Lots of people saying, like, I wonder what he does, you know, how does he do it? And then I left your yard thinking, the thing is, is if we went in there wanting to know any big secrets, <laughs> there is none. You seem to keep things incredibly simple. That was one of my takeaways. There seemed to be a happy yard and you seemed laid back in your manner. <laughs> I, that might just be because the cameras were there. <laughs> but uh, And then on top of that, it was like the simplicity of everything you did. You're in Newmarket, you're using the same facilities as everyone else. So what is, I mean, is there a secret or is it is it just keeping it simple? I think that we, we do try and keep it very simple. I think at the end of the day, horses like routine and I think keeping them sound and healthy is the main thing. I think you hear anyone, good trainers talking about their horses, they soundness and health is probably the two main things you know obviously you've got to get the good horses in your yard and and on that side of things we're you know we're lucky we've been sent some nicer horses but you know, ultimately sam haggis and i bought a lot of our horses this year at the horse and training sale and you know we have had 50 51 two-year-old winners now but you know a lot of them are sourced from elsewhere and um no it's keeping it simple really and Happy, healthy horses, as you saw, was, is the way to go, I think. Well, I, it's, it's anything but so. My, my, you did also have a classic winner, and that is extraordinary. I, you know, I, I take the point about, you know, sourcing horses and, 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 and the volume of, 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 of horses that you're working with and the winners and keeping the strike rate high and all the rest of it. But a, a classic winner is totally kind of... You can't legislate for that cachet coming along and winning a guineas. How, looking back... How did how did it happen, George? And, and and what did you make of it? Well, I think that we did believe that she could run very well. I think to to say that we thought she'd go and win like she did, making all was, you know, always going to be a tall order. But she showed a lot of ability from a very early stage, and you know that her her love for Newmarket is a massive thing. I think it's probably undervalued course form at Newmarket. You know, she she goes forward. It's a speed favoring track and. And I think being a bit of an outsider might have helped her because she went forward. And I just said to James, just enjoy it, relax, go to the front like she always does. And they might have given us a few seconds to just steal away from them. And um, no, look, it was it was amazing. It's it's I think it's kind of as a new market trainer, it's what you want to win. Obviously, 
we want to win the derby you want to win the arc everyone wants to do that but to to have it in your local town first class it with friends and family there it was um it's pretty hard to beat I mean, a day to remember for sure, but at the other end of the spectrum, George, you've had the likes of Spangle Mac, Inver Park, Queen of Ipanema, all winning handicaps on the bounce at various different levels this season, something that has not gone missed by the punting public either. Uh, you must get... Of, co of course, the classics are what we want. Of course, those are the days you're going to remember. But you must get a sense of real satisfaction out of some of the names I've rattled off there and other horses in the yard too. Is there any one horse this summer that's brought you some real, you know, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you've thought, I've done a good job with that? I think Spangled Mac, one who you just mentioned, is probably one of the horses of the year, really. He was picked up very cheaply by Sam at Tattersall's and, you know, he was he's not the most impressive looking horse and his work's never been that good and he won a string of races for for a great friend and um he's actually just landed in dubai a couple of days ago so the story the story carries on and he's never trained better so it'd be it like he won i think he won five or six this year and, and he goes out there running for some big money and and a you know relatively cheap horse in in our game um so yeah he'd, he'd certainly be one that sticks out i've had great success with sort of group owned horses and um Syndicate owner horse, uh, Cachet, of course, um, uh, as a as a high clear horse, but also Oscular for Nick Bradley. How, those those kinds of operators are obviously plugging into you, George. How, how how big a deal do you think those kinds of organisations are for the future of the sport in terms of getting new people into the sport and having some buying power to send to trainers like yourself? Yeah, I, th I think I think it's massive, really. You know, we've got lots of syndicate owned horses, and it's more of a sort of an Australian-American thing, I think, but it's it's certainly growing here. You see the, the rise of Nick Bradley, Midlam, Opulence Thoroughbreds, who I think, you know, we've got a bunch of horses for now. And it was great, you know, two of our best horses have been been syndicate-owned. And, and I think actually, you know, for our staff and for me and everyone, the seeing the enjoyment they get out of them. I mean, a day like just seeing the, our schooler winning in, in Dover, but at Goodwood, when everyone was there, there were tens and tens of people roaring her back in. And you know, she wasn't an expensive horse. I think she was you know, she was bought for 30,000 um, privately and, and a very cheap yearling and, and sold for seven figures, which was, I think that was probably one of the highlights of the year as well. You know, it's, I think she was owned by 50 different people. Um, and putting you know, racing to the masses like that is is a huge thing that we want to do. And you know, Inver Park again was owned by a syndicate of people that I put together, and he was our first Ascot winner. And oh. we'll continue to keep trying to buy horses and chop them up and and try and give a lot of fun to a lot of people. We need to see that happen repeatedly, don't we, to, in order for this to continue? You know, because that's buying a lottery ticket, isn't it? But mm. if you see people win by doing that, the Royal Ascot winner, the Classic winner, and stuff like that, that's what we haven't seen possibly enough of. Uh, from from syndicate ownership, but we've seen it, as you say, in this last season. That's more of that is going to be needed, isn't it, to to keep this sort of momentum going for that type of own, ownership model? I think definitely. You know, another one, Mystery Angel. She was owned by a huge number of people, and she was second in the Oaks. And yeah. I think having those big days is what it really means. You know, most of the Mystery Angel owners they came back in and they came back in on horses who certainly didn't reach the heights that she did. And I think people are syndicating more and more now. And um, 
look at Midland Park, you know, Group One winning two-year-old against the older horses this year. It's it can be done, and um, but as you say, it's it's buying a lottery ticket and, and seeing where you get to. What about the future then? We're on New Year's Day, George, as we speak right now. Whole new year ahead of us. Uh, you've had this incredible year. A, do you feel any pressure now? You know, when you're sort of got the ignorance of youth, so to speak, in the early days of a career in anything, you can kind of you don't really feel the pressure on your shoulders. Whereas for now, moving forwards. We've, we've got you at the top of our list, <laughs> so has so many other people. Do you feel any more pressure? And also on top of that, what's the aim now? What's the aim for this year? I think I think Stranger probably felt more pressure before. You know, we've got some nice horses, lots of nice horses, to, and a very good team at home to look after them and train them. And, you know, it's not, it's a long way from just me. You know, there's a big office team, big yard team, big team at home. And, um, I think, you know, when we had very few horses, it was slightly higher risk. And and now, you know, we're hopefully going to keep training winners and, you know, got a busy day today at Sutherland. It's meant to be the quiet time. But um, I think more winners, more good quality winners. And it may be hard to beat this year, but, you know, we'll give it a good go. And um, I certainly didn't think we'd do what we did this year. So, no, look, we'll... There's one that I want to tick off. William Haggis said you've got to train a winner every every um, track in the country and we've got three to go, so, <laughs> so that's one of them. Well, that's, that's, that's very achievable, isn't it? I'd say, I'd say that's a, a, a pretty achievable target to, to, to gun for. I, I'm going to set you 200 winners and two classics this year. So just to, nice. Just to, nice low bar. <laughs> just to be the bar. Not, nice <laughs> sadly, I'm not sure we've got two classic horses. Who has? Who has? Look, uh, well done on 2022, George. It's fantastic to see and keep up the good work. Cool. Thanks, guys. Have a great year. George Bowie there, uh, my star of 2022. Your breakthrough star of 2022 has got to be him, isn't it? Well, I went down the jumps route. OK. I went Emmett Mullins. I think, you know, it feels like a long time ago now, but obviously winning the Grand National yeah. in itself, incredible. But it's not just that that is the reason that he's at the top of the my pile. Obviously, a little bit like you guy, you with sort of Tom Arcon and Holly Doyle, he's not new-new, or is George. But it really feels like now um, people are latching on to what he does, his setup. I love that he just sort of throws the handbook on. Can he, can he win a Gold Cup with a Grand National winner? I think he probably could, yeah. I mean, and that's what I love. You know, we're talking about someone who did, doesn't abide by the rules when it comes to campaigning horses and the sort of natural path people expect you to go down. Instead, he goes down a completely different route. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But I love it, and it's something different, and we need that in this sport. OK, so a vote for Emmett Mullins there as well. Your vote's welcome as well. Who are your breakthrough stars uh, of 2022? Time to squeeze a few more of those in. We'll look forward more to 2023 in due course. But what were the big headlines in the news of 2022 as well? We'll touch on some of those after the break. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Lots of you getting in touch with your highlights for 22 and your forecast for 2023 as well. Those are welcome. Um, since we've got um, uh, Vanessa with us here in the studio, I just wanted to, to just quickly remind ourselves of some of the big headlines of 2022, particularly if they relate to what's coming in 2023. And it takes some reminding. It I does. Mean, there's a few things here that were right in the back of my brain. Well, nearly this time last year, more February than January, we got the Asheen Murphy verdict. Yeah with a 10-month, no, 14-month, 14-month 14 14, ban. 14-month A couple of months had already been Not uh, done. And, 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 and huge penalty at the time. Um, I remember at the time being rather shocked by the size 
the, of the penalty. I was pretty confident he'd get six months of Sheen Murphy, but he got 14 months. If it was done now for the same crimes, <laughs> I don't think it'd be the same penalty. Predominantly crimes against COVID. Yes. And as a result of how the world has gone, I think yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think we would expect quite as severe a penalty now yeah. as we got then. It's hard to remember, though. And this applies to so many things, COVID. What that right? time was like. What it was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. serious it was. You know, like, if, if there'd been a breach of that COVID protocol on race courses and it had resulted in an outbreak in the weighing room, we could have had to stop racing. Yeah. That's why it was such a big deal. Absolutely, yeah. Whereas with hindsight, but with, like with so many things, you know, with hindsight, things yeah. might be different. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, he's returning very soon. And I suppose the question is now, what will his return look like? Yeah. What can we look forward to from our ex-champion jockey in well, 2023? Well, what do you think? Um, What's your prediction? I think he'll be welcome back with open arms, is my prediction. I think he will hit the ground running. I think he'll be raring to go. I hope that... I feel like with Asheen, there became this sort of... Um, air around him that he was kind of the second coming in horse racing and was going to kind of save, be sort of the next Frankie de Tory. I really didn't like that myself. I don't think anyone should be brandished as the next anything, anything when yeah. it comes to stars from the past. But also, I'm a big believer that he doesn't have to pretend to be something he's not. You know, uh, stars have gone through our sport and plenty of them have not been perfect. Yeah. You know, you look back at the likes of Lester Piggott, Kieran Fallon, Frankie Dettori himself. No one is expecting Asheen Murphy to be perfect or to save our sport either. And we need to drop that sort of hope, I think, and let him, you know, be Asheen Murphy. He's a very talented jockey. That's not going to have gone anywhere. And I, like I say, I think he'll hit the ground running. Yeah, it's difficult that, isn't it? Because we, we've just talked about Holly Doyle and, and Tom Mark on the opportunity for the sport there. There is a kind of pressure to, you know, on, on how you behave. And, and it seems to me that Asheen has at times bought into that himself. He, he's wanted to present himself in, in a particular way. It's a difficult balance to strike, probably. Yeah, I think tricky balance to strike about what your brand is, who you want to be, where, you know, lots of jockeys we see, lots of sportsmen, it's not just jockeys, uh, go down the line of, I'm paid to do a job yeah. and I'll do that job well. And nothing else. And the rest of it is nobody's yeah. business. Yeah. And then other people go down the exact, the, the real extreme and try and expand it to be a much bigger brand. Um, I think ultimately the bottom line is you've got to be authentic to who you are because if you're not, you'll get caught out. The trouble with that, though, is people are really... I think Sheen Murphy is a great example. I think he's a complicated person. I don't know if he's genuinely really troubled. I don't know if he genuinely has massive issues and all, all that sort of stuff. I think, you know, maybe he does, you know, and, and if he does, I hope he gets uh, help and support. I think he might just be a complicated young man, like, like, like people hey, are. Look, you know? my, my, one of my mother's favourite sayings is the truth about any of us would shock the rest of us. Yeah. And it's true. You don't really know someone. And I think when it comes to people in the limelight, you think you know them. We think we know Asheen Murphy because we interview him ten times a week on the channel, the poor lad, um, and people talk about him as if we know him. But we don't really know him. No. No. And at the, the, he's there to be a professional jockey, and that's what he'll be this year. Yeah, I, th I, yeah, I, I think he's kind of complex, but in, in quite an intriguing, quite a fun way, and, and I hope that doesn't change for, for what it's worth. BHA took some stick over how long it took to process that whole case, as they often uh, do. In fairness to the, the BHA in that case, that was largely because he didn't tell the truth about where he was initially, which is why it took so long, and that's going to stymie you, uh, obviously. They also got a lot of stick, though, over the whole Frost Dunn thing, and that, believe it or not, rumbled into 2022 because yeah. we had the Dunn appeal 
uh, right at the beginning of 2022, and, and which was not successful in terms of changing the outcome. No. Uh, he was still found guilty of all the same charges, but they did reduce the penalty, and there was a lot of comment in the media. I was part of that because I sat in on the on, on the appeal about the tone of that appeal yeah, well, and all the rest of it. Do touch on that because I did not sit in on that appeal. I was a little bit sh shocked about the reduction. I thought they'd stand by the original months that he got and they reduced it to eight, was it, in the end? That's right, from 10, ten to eight. Um, no, no, from 16 to... No, it was a bigger reduction. Yeah. 18 down to 10. 18 Which, down you to know, 10. It's, it's quite a big reduction yeah. um, for everything that had happened. So I was surprised by that. But then latterly, as you've mentioned there, I was surprised by this conversation about the tone of the appeal panel, which you can probably expand on. Well, a lot of people spoke about it more eloquent than me. Lydia, Lydia Hislop wrote a good piece about it. I think Lee Mottishead wrote about it as well. We were all sitting in on, on the panel and I think we were all struck by the, just the demeanour of members of the panel and, and how they conducted it. And the, the, there was a, a sort of levity about some of the comments and so on, which was in sharp contrast to, to the seriousness of what they were talking about and this kind of showing well you know isn't this all a, just a, a a bit of an overreaction whereas the sport itself and the regulator itself was taking it extremely seriously and the BHA was pushing very hard afterwards the BHA did yeah. also say we noted the comments of people like us in the media and we share them yes so they, yeah, they yes, noted so, they... so despite that I think those misgivings were heard in fairness to the BHA and I think we can expect to see a response uh, to that from them in terms of how they conduct those things in the future and I, I think for all the sort of sound and fury around it, the message is very, very clear from the BHA. Up with this kind of behaviour, we will yeah, I mean, put it's zero tolerance. It has to be. Do you know what I mean? It, it has to be. Like, it's mad to me that we live in now 2023 and we're even debating whether in that situation someone was right or wrong. It's not a debate. Somebody was in the wrong. Factual, you know, just the facts were proven and that was shown. Um, I, I said to you before, you know, if you transferred that into an office in London, there would be no debate. <laughs> yeah, well, this is Racing Debate, so we can talk <laughs> about these things. Uh, your thoughts after the break. Welcome back to our Racing Debate New Year's Day programme here. Vanessa and myself come over to the Skypad for some of your views. Uh, Chris, who's a regular correspondent. Happy New Year, Chris. Good to hear from you. Yeah. Um, Edwardstone to win the champion chase. L'Ompresse to win the Gold Cup. And Constitution Hill to finish fourth. What? Champion hurdle behind three Willie Mullins horses. Wow, now that, that's a controversial shout. Cat amongst that the pigeons there. Yeah. Um, let's that see what is. else you're saying. Uh, we asked for your highlights of the Christmas period, your stars of 2022 and uh, New Year's resolutions for racing. We haven't even done, have we? Um, Ermes Allen for Dan Hall, staked a late claim. They need to move Ascot pre-Christmas to the two days after a proper mid-season festival, then courses to look after the jumps tracks better in the summer months. That's a bit of a ground issue maybe. But yeah, Hermes uh, Allen was really good. Yes, very, very impressive. Just yesterday. Yeah, only yesterday. Yeah, very impressive indeed. A lot of people were keen to take him on. He was a short price horse in, a, in what looked a deep field, but he absolutely smashed him. I think uh, we'll be coming back to that race a lot for Moyes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stephen's still celebrating after Brave Man Games victory on Boxing Day. It was like Christmas. You know it's going to happen, but it's a case of counting down the day. Paul Nichols was in your camp, wasn't he, um, Stephen? He said, I knew it was going to happen. I was telling all my mates to lump on, but we sent the wrong horse off favourite. I know. How did that happen in the build-up, given how much uh, they had said that this was his absolute everything? We'd been told this horse was going to win a King George literally years before. Can he win a Gold Cup? I say yes. I say no. OK. 
That's why we're on racing debate. We're divided on that. Uh, we didn't get we get a chance to get into that. Uh, Bozil, uh, Bo Maley McGrail was more impressed <laughs> with Dysart Dynamo's chasing debut than El Fabiola, or appreciate it. We didn't even get to appreciate it, and others. Uh, it would be nice to see them clash at the DRF. So I think they, I think they the probably will. You want to get yourself over to the Dublin Racing Festival. Unbelievable yeah. couple of days, and it's going to be a cracker this year. Yep. Just the way the season's gone, Willie's taking a little bit longer to get going. It gets later and later. That'll be a big push this year, and it's going to be, yeah. Good value. Cracker. Great value. You driving? Uh, I probably will drive. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I'll go <laughs> with you. <laughs> um, uh, just a couple of email, emails quickly as well. I had, um, uh, we don't, we don't, don't Chris's, haven't we? Um, Chris emails. Um, that's a different one about New Year's resolutions, actually. Oh. I'm, I'm going to leave that one for now, Chris, because <laughs> please, everyone. Got to be careful um, with these emails. Kevin, yes. who's from Gwynedd, uh, says, Happy New Year. Racing saves the best till last. Harriet Tucker's ride in atrocious conditions in the final race at Utoxeter. Great judgment of pace. Outmuscled uh, Jacob and Noonan in the finish. Her willing partner was also a credit to Alex Hales. National Hunt Racing at its purest. And uh, there you go. From I mean, yeah, no, yes, I was just going to say yes, they're Utoxeter. Incredible finishes in the mud there. Yeah. Rained all day. Josh Appy Appy there for us. And race after race, brilliant finishes, I thought. Proper jumping weather. We've waited a long time for it, haven't we? We thought it was never coming. It always gets here in the end. Um, Laurie Cole's been in touch. Good old Laurie. Uh, Brigadier Gerard Laurie, if I'm not mistaken. Good morning, Sean. Just to help you with a sporting couple to compare to Tom and Holly. Here we go. Agassi and Graf ah. were, were a couple. Um, uh, that's a good point but not competing against each other. And that's the crucial that's thing. That's the crucial bit. That's the crucial bit, is that day in, day out, they go up against each other, yet go home together. It's a unique thing about our sport as well, which we shouldn't forget. There's so few sports, equestrian sports, one of them, where uh, males and females compete against each other on a level playing field. Uh, G. Reynolds... Uh, who was in touch earlier, wanted us to mention Holly Dorr, agrees with us about <laughs> racing, racing needs Finally. to promote the unique aspect of it being a sport in which the, uh, husband and wife can compete equally against each other. Also, Holly's achievements as a female jockey need broader coverage. I think they're getting a fair amount of coverage. Hackney Marshman, this might be the last on Twitter. Um, Cache, 1,000 guineas filly was a good winner on the day only. She very nearly won the French guineas. Yeah, next no, time she, up. it's not like she didn't back it up. She, she followed through. Yeah. yeah, and had had a busy two-year-old campaign, went to America as well. Tough filly, tough filly, and a good filly as well. I tell you what, we've run out of time. Sad times. Sad it's been, times. It's been, <laughs> sad times, yeah. Look, it's been a joy. It has indeed. Thanks for watching. Happy New Year from Racing Debate.